Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, and joined once again by Jordan Climac. I've missed him for the last couple weeks. Holiday travel and other things interrupted our plans to record together. So, Jordan, we missed a couple Browns games. How about them Cavs? Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a good way to start. Um, actually, went to the game last night, and I have to say, like, you know, for the first couple months of the season for the Cavs, they were kind of like the best-kept secret in Cleveland because the Browns were still playing. And just not, you know, your everyday average basketball fan wasn't too, you know, aware of what was going on. But now, you know, that all this stuff is going on with the Browns, I think people have started to turn their attention at least in Cleveland, to the Cavs. And, like, the crowd at the game last night was incredible. It's one of the best crowds I've seen since LeBron was here. So it's really great to see Cavs are balling, Darius Garland balling, Evan Mobley's the future, Kevin Love, possible six men. And, like, you can't say enough good things about the Cavs. I, I'm actually kind of disappointed they don't play tonight because I would love to watch them, but uh, we'll get them again uh, here soon. Yeah, they've actually been really exciting to watch. Uh, Evan Mobley is the truth. You're right. I've been trying to get my dad to watch more of Evan Mobley because he – like many Clevelanders, as you mentioned, has been watching the poor Browns alongside me this last couple of weeks, Jordan. And so we got to talk about it. I mean, I don't know where you want to start. I think let, let's just, you, you know, your thoughts on, you know, uh, you know, the Steelers game, I guess. Let's start there. And, you know, if you want to go back to the Packers game as well, I don't think it's worth tracking all the way back to the COVID Raiders game. But, you know, your, your thoughts really just kind of high level <laughs> about those two games and, and what ultimately happened on the field there. Um, disappointment, um, lack of really commitment, lack of effort at times, in, in my opinion. I just a locker room, a team divided. Um, it's kind of what I see right now. No, no one seems to be on the same page, really offensively, I guess, because I still think I've seen some good things defensively from this team, um, which is crazy to say, you know, given where we started this year. But yeah, I mean, to me, the biggest thing you could highlight in both those games was just a clear disconnect between coach and quarterback. Um, I don't think Baker and Kevin Stefanski have been on page at any time this year. And I think it's gotten to the point where it's a contentious relationship. Um, I think that there's drama in the building, but I don't know if it stems as far back, back to Odell. Like, I, I, I don't know where it started, but there's a disconnect between Baker and the locker room. I don't know what it is. Um, you know, we've seen reports today of like, possible ask for a trade and apparently Baker's unhappy with how the Browns have called their offense this year and they aren't strengths which is crazy because <laughs> we can get into that as we go on but yeah there's just I mean those are the two things that are just really have been really highlighted for me Henry was just like the disappointment in the season um you know you had a chance to control your own destiny you, you didn't get the job done you, you left it up to another team and the Bengals got the job done and it was really disappointing like that Sunday the Browns didn't play because they played on Monday night uh, and the Bengals won was such a disappointing Sunday. Like it ruined my day and the Browns didn't even play. So really just the disappointment of the last couple of weeks is just, you know, really disappointment of the whole year culminated in the last couple of weeks, right? Like just terrible game after terrible game, offensive performance, just nothing on offense. I mean, it was pathetic and you didn't. And that's just kind of been the story of the year. Browns are going to finish under 500 this year, Henry. And I, yeah, it's bad. But the offense, the last two games, I just, I can't say enough bad things about it. Um, 
Like it was a level, it looked like preseason football at times uh, there, especially this past week against the Steelers. Like it, it was bad. It was hard to watch. And I really, I can't even explain it. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, you know, the, the two games I think were, were a little bit different in one sense, because I think the Browns, I mean, they had over 400 yards against a, a Packers defense that, that had been pretty good up to that point. I thought the offense, you know, w- despite Baker Mayfield was pretty good around him in that game, but he obviously had a, a terrible game with the four interceptions that, that ultimately cost the Browns in that one. And then the Steelers game, I, you brought up the, the dissension and and to me, you know, some of that's hard to see from the outside, which is why I don't put a lot of stock into it typically with teams, but I just didn't understand what the Browns were doing in this game. Like why were the starters playing? I'm not, I like, first of all, like, why wasn't Baker Mayfield out of that game and, and scheduled for surgery on Tuesday as soon as the Bengals won? I didn't get that part. Well, Why can, was can, Nick- I, can I pop in here real quick? Yeah. Um, I, I think the answer to that, and I get I get why it's questionable and all that, but we have to remember that that Bengals thing, like that was the day before. And I don't think you go, you know, I've talked to some people about this this week, you know, former players, people close to the Browns of like, were the Browns, did the Browns have two game plans this week? And like one was like, if the Bengals won, this is the game plan, or if the Bengals lost, this is the game plan. I was kind of laughed at for that. Like, no, 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 it's it's one game plan. You know what you're doing. You practice that same game plan the whole week. So I don't know if it was just the fact of the matter that the Browns had installed a game plan, know what they wanted to do. I know it was a terrible game plan. We can get into that. But I I just think that they had worked on some things throughout the week and didn't want to change things up last second. And, again, I don't know if that was the right move or not, but I I think that is why, you know, you saw some of the guys that – honestly had no business being out there in terms of just, you know, starters, important players and and preserving them for next year. But I I think that might answer the question of whether it was the right decision or not. Yeah. It makes, it it just makes no sense to me. I mean, I, I, I saw that, you know, out there, uh, but you know, yeah, you know, you installed the game plan all week and now, you know, I guess you don't want to change it if you want to win, but that's the whole point. It's like this game didn't matter. If they lost, who cares? Like, putting Miles Garrett out there, putting Nick Chubb out there, like, especially when we found out those guys were banged up and then they were like in and out. It was like, are we trying to win? Are we not trying to win? It made no sense to me. And then you brought it up to the, and this is where I want to go next really is the, the after the game stuff, like Baker Mayfield's comments after the game, you know, after you watch that and you're like, okay, it was kind of confusing. Right. But, you know, in, in last year, I, you know, I praised the team so much for everybody having the same message, like in the postgame. Then Baker Mayfield in the postgame just goes, it's time for me to start looking out what's best for me and my health. Like, I'm pretty beat up right now. I'm going to talk with my agent and my family about whether to play next week. I was not like, the team. Not yeah, the not team. the team. Exactly. I was like, sirens a year. Like, what, no mention of the team. Like, can you, I can't think of a single example where a quarterback hasn't mentioned like, oh, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm going to talk to coach or my offensive corner, like no mention of the team, no mention of anybody on the team. I, I was dumbfounded by that, honestly. It's a, it's a and, bad and look. It, it's a bad look. Yeah. So I, what, what do you make of, you know, in general, you know, the reports that seem more and more common now, you mentioned some today, there've been some over the last couple of weeks that, that Baker Mayfield doesn't seem on the same page as Kevin Stefanski and really the rest of the team in general, perhaps. Yeah. I, I just think that there's been a locker room rift this year and for whatever reason it was, you know, I, I kind of, again, I kind of just go back to that Odell thing because the, the week after that, okay, you go out, you're, you're 
you know, you destroy the Bengals. But after that, I mean, it's just been terrible thing after terrible game after terrible game. I mean, it's just been really bad since then, other than that one rare instance against the Bengals. And so it's a really interesting like conversation about, you know, because I can also go back all the way, Henry, to, you know, the Broncos game, that Thursday night game when, you know, 10 minutes before the game kicks off and Jay Glazer releases this bomb of like Baker Mayfield and Baker Mayfield was the source in it. Just like, Hey, this is the exact injury I have here. This is the exact injury I have there. I'm hurt here. Um, I can just tell you right now, again, going back to just talking to players that played like that, that rubs the thing that that would do to a locker room is guys see right through that guys say like, I know, we know what you're doing, right? Like, Think about last year. We found out at the end of the year, Jarvis Landry was playing with broken ribs through half of the year. He didn't come out one time and say that he was hurt. And, you know, and the team didn't either because the team wants to keep that in house. All the players want to keep that in house. JC Treader has been injured his whole career. He hasn't practiced in like four years. You never hear about his injuries until after the season. I just think that there would, there have been some things done or said in the media by Baker in particular this year, Henry, that have kind of just, created divides in the locker room and it's so obvious this is a team that just isn't really playing for each other right now and you see it like there's just no heart in the offense right now and yeah it's I don't know how you repair it that's the thing right like this is it's so fractured and damaged at this point that I don't know how you repair it because yeah like you said like last year night and day man every time you know these press conferences of you know we don't hear it's not just player speak anymore like we have guys coming out just being critical of this guy of being critical of that and you know, we can get in the whole thing of like, you know, of course you said Baker after the game saying that like, yeah, was he put in the best position to like, that's another thing he said, like basically calling out like the game plan and we can get into that, but like, Hey man, look, it, I understand that James Hudson against TJ Watt, like breaking news, TJ Watt's going to beat anyone. You know, if Jack Conklin was in there, TJ Watt would have won that matchup probably 60, 40. So it's like, and, and then you get into the stats of like how long he was holding the ball and all that. It's like, it's just a lot doesn't add up right now, Henry. And it's a lot of blame game. And it seems like we're headed for an offense or an off season, excuse me, where it's kind of like team Stefanski or team Baker. Like that's kind of seems like we're, we're headed for. Hold that thought because that's, that's the next place I want to go, but it, just yeah. to chime in first, I think on the, on the Baker Mayfield comment, you know, I, I am, I always feel like I'm slow to judge people's character, right? Because you don't know them, uh, you know, in the sports context, I feel like, you know, a lot of times, you know, those things can be a little bit out of bounds, right? When you, when you don't know the players, you're just getting snippets of them in the press conferences. Not all the guys are always that buttoned up, et cetera, et cetera. But let's go over what it is. You know, Baker Mayfield had some really bad moments at the podium two years ago when the Browns were a losing team, criticizing the medical staff for example, getting involved in other players' contracts, things that you do not see around the NFL. And the Browns, as soon as they started losing this year, as soon as they started not living up to expectations, those things are popping up again. So, you know, look, do I know how Baker's teammates feel about them? I don't. I don't have sources inside the locker room. I haven't talked to anybody like that. I I cannot comment on that. I do know players love Dodell Beckham Jr. That I do know uh, just because of some people that I've talked to around the team. But for me, where there's smoke, there's fire here. This is the second time when the Browns have disappointed and Baker Mayfield has all of a sudden started to point the fingers at other people. And everybody has lauded Baker Mayfield for his intangibles. And I think to, uh, you know, uh, mostly a deserved 
degree, right? You know, he's the walk-on from Oklahoma. He's got this big chip on his shoulder, all that kind of stuff. But where that, you know, where that confidence becomes, you know, borderline arrogant, where it becomes all of a sudden you start doing kind of non-quarterbackial things like criticizing <laughs> the medical staff, like calling out your coach, stuff like that. Like that is how a locker room gets divided. And man, does it feel like 2019 all, all over again, where this locker room just doesn't feel right. And I feel like Baker Mayfield's the guy causing a lot of that right now. So my question to you is like, do you, what do you think that is like, what, what do you think the, you know, reason behind that is like, cause me, like to what you're saying to me, like, and I agree with you hundred percent, like you said, 2019 all of a sudden the finger pointing came coming from baker mayfield it was everywhere but hey look i'm looking in the in the mirror right it was it's kind of just you know bad play calling like you said medical staff this year it's kind of the same thing it's it's injuries it's play calling it's not playing my strengths this that and the other and to me like at the, all, at the end of the day it all comes back to to money right i mean he doesn't have that contract yet and thank god this, he doesn't have that contract yet by I the know, way but, so here's the thing, like what for you, here's my question to you, Henry, is like, what does it come down to? Does it come down to just money? So at the end of the day, like what you said, 2019 finger pointing, right? Coaches, medical staff, the play calling wasn't good enough. This year, things go south. It's injuries. I'm hurt, this, that, and the other. Look how tough I am. Uh, the play calling hasn't been there. I haven't been put in the best situations. It's everyone but himself. So like to me, I think it comes down to money and contract at that point, which is still a selfish thing. And I think guys see through that. The whole reason you heard about that injury earlier in the year before Case Keenum makes his first start of the year is Baker saying, hey, look, if, if this guy comes out and plays well or whatever, I understand the situation. So I got to put, put this out right now that, look, I'm playing compromised right now. And he was the direct source on that. So to me, I think that if he had the contract in the offseason, and thank God he didn't get it, but if he had it and that injury happens when it happens to the Texans, I think he's able to sit down. I think he sits down and says, Hey, I've got to get the surgery now. Look, I, I'm signed my contract. I know I'm going to be the quarterback of this team for a couple of years, but this year he didn't have it. And so he got hurt and it was like, I have to try and prove myself. I have to get that contract. And it didn't work out. It, it worked in the opposite you know, direction. So I don't know if it just comes down to money or what it is, but it's a lot of finger pointing and not a lot of res- taking responsibility for, you know, the bad times that have happened over the past, you know, three years at this point. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at Stefanski, and we can get into the Baker, you know, kind of verse Stefanski thing here in a second, but he's always the guy saying, you know, blame me, blame me, blame me. We see that from quarterbacks all around the league, right? Like, you know, take the blame, take the blame. To me, you know, money is part of it, <clears throat> but I think, it, you know, it, it, as part of that, to me, it falls under ego in general. And, and that is, again, it's part of what makes a lot of quarterbacks great. So, it, you know, it's tough to distinguish between the two. But to me, you know, I, yes, I think Baker Mayfield thinks he should be paid like a top quarterback. I also think Baker Mayfield probably doesn't think he's the reason for the Browns problems this year, When I, which I would argue he is the vast majority uh, of the Browns problem this year on the offensive side of the football. And, you know, when, when you're a great athlete like that, you always think you can overcome. You always think, you, you know, you're the guy that's the answer. And I think that's a hard pill to swallow for Baker Mayfield at this point, but he has not been the answer. And so I think he's lashing out a little bit. I think, you know, as far as the injury, you brought it up. There are guys that play injured all the time where teams know, and we don't find out until later. And teams make decisions based off that information where everybody's aware. And, you know, they, you know, they were, didn't we, uh, Henry, didn't we find out like after the Super Bowl that Tom Brady was playing with like a torn MCL all last year? 
Exactly. Exactly. Like the Browns, it's not like the Browns didn't know what was wrong with Baker Mayfield. Clearly they did. The only reason Baker Mayfield benefits from putting that information out there is public perception. Because at that point, it's not, you know, the the contract not getting it, it's done. It's over with, right? Like he didn't get it. He's injured now, whatever. The only reason he benefits from that is you get people saying, you know, defending Baker Mayfield. And, And I don't think, you know, fully incorrectly either saying, well, he was hurt this year. He was hurt this year. Look at all his injuries. Look at all his injuries. That's why he did it, is to defend himself in the public eye among analysts, among fans, et cetera. And to me, that is not a good enough reason when the team clearly didn't want it out for, you know, for obvious competitive reasons. And for the fact that, yeah, it's, it seems like it played a factor in splintering the locker room as well. And so that comes back to the point of like, is this thing repairable? Because it got, it, it got bad at times this year, right? Like Henry, I talked to Jake Trotter of ESPN the other day, who's been covering Baker since he was at Oklahoma Basically, I asked him, like, hey, man, like, is like, I mean, you've been covering Baker for this long. Like, have you ever seen it this bad? He's like, I've seen it bad before, but not to this extent. And so it's like, is there a way you can come back from this? Is there a way you can do this again? I don't know. I don't know if there is. And I don't know if it makes sense, honestly, for both sides at this point. Like, it seems like we're beyond reproach here. Like, I, I, I don't know what it is, but this, it, it went so sour to the point where, you know, now you got, you hear the rumors every day of this is, this is happening, that's happening. And, you know, finger fingers being pointed, you know, no one taking blame. Like it's just, there's been a lot going on, but I think there's a couple of things that we can point back to. And it's that Denver Jay Glazer report that I just said, and then the Odell thing. I think those two things happened and there was no way you could rebound from that. You could do it for maybe one week. And that's when they did it against Cincinnati. But after that, it was just like, no, you have to keep going on with the season. And that locker room was just torn apart. So I don't know. You know, I think that's why the why the Browns were so good last year is because the locker room was tight and together. This year it wasn't, and that and you saw the result of it. I don't know if you can come back from it long term, but I do think both. You know, they, I think they are going to come back from it for you know for twenty twenty two because I think for it's beneficial for both parties. I don't think the Browns have an obvious alternative right now, and I don't see. Think- I don't, I, Henry. I don't think it's. I, I get what you're saying. Um, but you know, we, who knows who's going to be available in two months, who knows who's going to be available around draft time. I just don't think for the Browns, I don't see the benefit in doing it. I, I, I like, I just don't think there's any, any way that if you're the Browns organization, you can go into next year, putting Baker Mayfield out there again, and still not knowing if he's the guy, this team is ready to win. Now, how can you do this for another year? That will be year five. Like by year three, you should have a decision. We're going into year five, not knowing. I just don't know how you do that again. No, I mean, I, I agree with you kind of like it, that, that I don't think Baker Mayfield is an ideal option. I just, I'm looking at the draft. I don't see anybody I want on the Browns. I'm looking at free agency. Like Aaron Rodgers is not coming here. Russell Wilson is not coming here. Deshaun Watson is in 95% not coming here. I don't think Derek Carr is leaving the Raiders. So at this point, you're like, is, you know, is it Jimmy Garoppolo versus Baker Mayfield, something like that? And to me, at that point, is it Teddy Bridgewater? You know, I, I, I at that point, you're talking about bringing a new quarterback into, you know, the system, or you're talking about running it back with Baker Mayfield, and, and you know, everybody can convince themselves, hey, he was injured last year, you know, he'll be back healthy this year, and things will be better. I think at that point, you might as well run it back with Baker Mayfield. I think that's what's coming. For 2022, just because I don't see the the obvious answer that's an upgrade for Baker Mayfield. It's like, yeah, you can feel not 100% confident that he's the answer, but like, if you don't have a better option, like, what are you supposed to do? 
But like, how low is like, how, like how low are we looking at this? Like, what? Who would be an upgrade? Because, like, it was pretty bad this year, man. I mean, I mean, Kirk Cousins is an upgrade. Well, I mean, he, absolutely, yeah. based on what he how he played this year. In, like, what, you know. what we're looking for, basically, Henry, is like we're kind of looking for like a Ryan Tannehill, right? And I mean that in the sense of like. You know, the Titans had Marcus Mariota. They moved on from him. They figured they realized, hey, before we can give this guy his money, we have to make the decision. Is he the guy that can take us into the playoffs, win us games, possibly a Super Bowl? They made the decision that he wasn't at the end of the day. They turned to Ryan Tannehill. Right. So I, I think that's kind of like the guy that the Browns are looking for. I just like you said, I don't know if he's out there yet, but, you know, a couple of years ago, when the Patriots season ended. You thought no way in hell like Tom Brady would end up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just think things happen. And they happen quickly in the NFL. So, like, I, I can't rule it out yet, but I get what you're saying. Oh, and I definitely wouldn't rule it out because, you know, I think, the, uh, again, where there's smoke, there's fire. There there are rumors that clearly the Browns are not satisfied with the quarterback play. And here. also, in like, the report today from Henry, it, it also seemed like Baker is really not happy with the team. So I, I think it would make yeah. it easier for all sides, right? Like, it'd make it easier for the Browns. They're like, all right, Baker, if you want to make a decision for us, go ahead. Like, if he ends up going to them at the end of the day saying, like, hey, guys, I think a split is the best for like both sides here. I think that becomes an easy decision for the team to make then at that point. Yeah. I just, I, I don't think Baker is going to do that because who's, who's signing, you know, a, a quarterback that played at a, you know, yeah, a bottom five exactly. level like the, this the year Texans, off of the late, a labor. They've got yeah, like, why would the Texans sign Baker Mayfield when they've got Davis Mills? Like, honestly, they've yeah, got no, a, yeah. a guy at least with some promise. Like I, I don't actually believe Davis Mills is going to be the long-term answer no, no. for the Texans. But for them, like, what's the point of signing Baker Mayfield when at least you've got some hope that this guy, you know, in Davis Mills is going to be something. And that, you know, goes back to a point that you said earlier is, you know, usually you have the answer by year three. There, there are very few examples of quarterbacks. There are very few Ryan Tannehills out there, guys that figure it out later than year two. You know, you look at around the NFL, Joe Burrow, second year. He's awesome. Justin Herbert, second year. He's awesome. Guys don't do this seesaw thing that Baker Mayfield's done and succeed very often. Yes, there are exceptions. Drew Brees was an exception. Ryan Tannehill is an exception. But to be banking on an exception is a bold choice that I don't think the Browns, especially given where the roster is at, like you mentioned, are, are really you know going to be all that keen to make. I mean, I have this quote uh, you know from Andrew Barry that you know he told uh, you know Bill Poley and I believe in the off season. Um, or, or somebody else. It was it was posted by the ringer, but he said quarterback is the most important position in sports. And so for me, I came up under Bill Poley, and in pretty much every stop, this was the belief. Certainly, my last stop in Philly. It's what we do, you know, to make sure we're doing everything to support that position, uh, because you can do a lot of great things. But if that position isn't solved and the environment isn't conducive to that player having success, then you're stuck in neutral. Like to me, that is the quote of a GM who understands that. Hey, like. If the quarterback is not doing great things, we are going to move on and we're not going to do anything else yeah. until until that. So, I, you know, I think it's realistic that he's not back in 2022. I would just if I was a betting man, which, of course, I am, I would bet Baker Mayfield's the week <laughs> one starter for the Browns next season. And so and so here's my thing to go off that, too. Right. Like I said, I, I feel like we're headed towards the Stefanski versus Baker type offseason. And my hunch would be that Kevin Stefanski, Andrew Barry, Paul D. Podesta, all those three guys are still on the same page, right? Like I, I don't see any scenario where they wouldn't be. So yeah. if that's the case, then who's the odd man out? That's Baker Mayfield. And that kind of goes back to what you said in that quote of like, so I think this front office is really smart. We're blessed to have a good front office. And I think that they're going to have the balls to make a tough, de tough decision at the end of the day. 
And I think they're going to do what's best for this franchise. And if that's moving on from him, then they have to do it. We'll just, we'll see. I just think that they're, I think the philosophies of, you know, the Ivy league guys, the, the analytics guys and the deep Podesta, Barry and Stefanski, I don't see them losing alignment on, on their vision for this team in the future. Um, so I think that, you know, if we get to that, it's going to be Stefanski who wins this at the end of the day. Yeah. And, and as I, you know, I brought this up on a previous podcast cause I, I felt like that was, yeah, that Stefanski versus Baker divide was forming. And look, I don't think it has to happen that way. I don't want it to happen that way. Like, you know, I'm, I'm obviously being very critical of Baker Mayfield. I want him to be good. It would be way better for this franchise if he was good. But if you're asking me, you know, to plant my flag on team Stefanski or team Mayfield, like I, I'm planting it on team Stefanski. He's not perfect by any means. I, you know, we, we didn't even talk about the Steelers game plan. It was a bad game plan. I think, you know, the thing that you could really be most critical about Kevin Stefanski is actually not his play call. And, and that's the part where Browns fans are losing me a little bit is, is there's a lot of criticism of his play calling. To me, the biggest criticism of Kevin Stefanski is Kevin Stefanski, the head coach. I think he's been, you know, a, a fine, in fact, good play caller this season, but the head coach is responsible for a lot more than play calling. That's part of the job for him. It's not the whole job. He is the one that's responsible for the relationship with Baker Mayfield. He is responsible for the locker room and the attitude with this team. And I think we saw signs of regression this year in that regard. So if you want to be critical for Kevin Stefanski for that, I listen to you. I hear you. He's not perfect. I don't think he had his best year of coaching by any means, but this is a guy that was coach of the year last year. And as I said, I see open receivers all over the field when I watch the tape. And I think with a better quarterback, you know, this team would be in the playoffs and, and, and maybe even, you know, being contending to make the Super Bowl like we thought they would at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And I think that's a fair and accurate assessment of, you know, Kevin Stefanski, the head coach versus Kevin Stefanski, the play caller. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a poor job of, you know, being able to manage egos in the locker room and kind of weather the storm in the locker room. And, you know, it was kind of his first test. He didn't have that test. And, in, in, you know, we forget that he's a second-year coach. He didn't really have yeah. that in his first year. So that was his first test. And I guess you could say he kind of failed it, right? But when you talk about the play calling, I agree with you that, you know, I, I thought there were a handful of plays where, again, I feel like every single game for the last, like, six weeks, I come away with saying, like, man, there was – you know, it looks bad because passes don't get complete and all that. And you think to yourself, like, man, what are we doing – then you go back and look at it and like all 22s and these freeze frames. And you're like, wait, we schemed guys open all night. I mean, the plays were plays where three guys were wide open and, and you're sitting there and, and, and it's a sack it results in a sack. So I, I don't know what it is at the end of the day, you know, and, and it, it all comes back to Baker and, you know, I don't want to make this, you know, a 50 minute podcast of, of bashing on Baker, but like, you know, you can say what you want about the injuries if you're one of these Baker truthers on Twitter, right? You say what you want about the injuries, but what do injuries have to do with poor decision-making and, and not being able to make reads? Nothing. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I agree with you that Kevin Stefanski has he's made some good play calls in the last couple of games. We just haven't been able to execute them. Yeah, and to me, and I, you know, I can't wait for the offseason in some regards because I want to go back and, and watch Baker Mayfield in 2020 because I know he's had decision-making issues at times, mechanics issues at, at times, and, and that predates this year a little bit. But I want to go you know, and really do a deep dive because, like you said, there are just – there are open guys. You know, I was listening, Jordan, uh, again, going to you know, the, the betting background. Of, for me, is where I default to often. But part of the reason I like it is because Vegas doesn't have an agenda, right? Like they're trying to make the most money. And I was listening to a professional better, Simon Hunter. He's on uh, the volume. He works with the action network. 
He said last year he had Kevin Stefanski rated as the ninth best play caller in the NFL. Uh, he thought as far as Brown's efficiency, he had Kevin Stefanski as the eighth best play caller through the first 17 weeks of the season. He was like, go look at it. They're number wow. one in screens. There are guys open all over the place. He's like, what happened was his quarterback stopped making the throws. And he's like, I don't know what happened there, but he was like, you know, the, the, and I get, you know, I get some of the frustrations of, of, uh, you know, you know, the not running the ball sometimes, whatever, whatever. But to me, like I was making this point uh, with the Packers game and I don't want to go back and relitigate the whole thing, but I, you know, there were obviously, I wasn't a believer that the Browns necessarily needed to run the ball in that situation, but some people were okay, fine. You're, you're a believer that the Browns should have run the ball in that situation. Like to me, like big, bigger picture about what that's saying. You're saying the Browns with under two minutes left when they need multiple first downs, need to run the football because you don't trust your quarterback to yeah. throw the football. Like they scheme right. people open. You're saying, Hey, no, they still should have run the football. Okay. Like that's fine. Then you can't be in the Baker Mayfield as a franchise quarterback camp because every team that thinks they have a franchise quarterback is throwing the football in that situation. You don't see teams run the ball in the two minute drill down points. Like that doesn't happen. So uh, that's where I'm just like, okay, if I got to plant you, my flag here, I'm, I'm <laughs> sticking with Stefanski still, and he's got to learn as a head coach, but he, you know, he's just, he brings enough to the table as a play caller that I just don't think he, you can move off. Yeah. And the funny thing about that is to contrast that those, those same people that were saying that you should have ran the ball against the Packers were the same people that were saying you should have thrown the ball on that uh, third down against the Raiders. Right. Like exactly. it doesn't work. Exactly. It doesn't work. You just, like you can't win if you're a play caller in that situation. Like, yeah, yeah I, I, and, and, and you know what, I would have run the ball in, in that situation and I would have thrown the ball, but you know, if you disagree, fine, but like, you got to think bigger picture. What does that mean? What you're saying about the team? And uh, yeah, I just, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, it's depressing. Like you talked about, I mean, the history of quarterbacks playing out their fifth year option is not great. You mentioned Marcus Mariota, Jameis Winston also played out his fifth year option. Like guys don't make it to the fifth year option if they're good in, you know, 95 plus percent of cases. And that's what we're staring in the face right now with Baker. So we do have some breaking news. Can we break some news on uh, the rebuild real quick? Yeah. Fire away. Baker Mayfield will travel to Los Angeles to have surgery to repair his torn labrum and his left shoulder on January 19th. So January 19th, Baker will have the surgery. And I believe that time frame, that window will put him right around OTAs for, uh, for a comeback. So I think that was the plan, right, to have the surgery as quick as possible, get him ready for the offseason. So uh, we'll see how it goes. But January 19th, shoulder surgery for Baker. Yeah, and, and I think we all knew that that had to happen at some point, you know, with everything, you know, that had happened in his, you know, his arm and his injury. And look, again, I mean, I hope it was the injury. I hope, you know, he's got terrible numbers throwing the ball downfield this season. You know, that could certainly be the but injury. Henry, but Henry, that, but, but what I just said, though, it goes, like I said, you could say it was the injury, but like, what does a torn labrum have to do with you pump faking three times and missing three wide open guys or you staring down one read, you know, like, what, I don't think those things have anything to do with injuries. No, I'm, I mean, I'm right there with you. I think I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, mostly trying to, to provide the optimistic side, but yeah, that's why, <laughs> yeah. that's why I don't believe it's going to work. I mean, you know, I, I saw this stat floating around that, you know, Joe Burrow and Baker Mayfield have the same uh, sack rate this season. Joe Burrow's offensive line is 30th in pass rush win rate and the Browns yep. are fourth. Like yep. 
he's clearly holding on to the ball. He's not seeing the field. And we've talked about this, you know, going back all the way to the, you know, early games in, in the season. Of course, Odell's father talked about it. A lot of people have talked about it. Um, yeah, I, it's why I don't think it's going to work. But again, you know, uh, if, if I want to be hopeful here, you know, he, he, we know how how hard it is to find a starting quarterback, Jordan. At the end of the day, Browns fans know that more than anybody. So, yeah, it would be awesome if Baker Mayfield comes back. He's healthy. He looks like he did, you know, in that first game against the Chiefs. And, and, and you know, maybe, you know, things are solved. And even if he's not, you know, e- even if he doesn't have the ceiling that we were hoping for in this offseason, maybe he can be Kirk Cousins and at least get this team to the playoffs. Like, that would be awesome. I just, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a believer in it. I just, I, 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 I want to hope that's going to We just got to be real, right? Like, we just got to be real. Like, that, that's the problem. Yeah. Some Browns fans just don't live in, 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 a, in reality, right? Like, it's all yeah. like – they want Baker Mayfield to be so good. And look, we do too, but you got to call it like it is sometimes, yeah. you know, it's not just, it's not all, you know, unicorns and rainbows and, and like, it, it's not like, I, I hate to break it to some people, like just watch the film, look at what, like look deeper than just what you see or what you want to believe. And like, you'll realize at the end of the day, like what held this team back? It, it's just not rocket science. And then, and sometimes feels like it is trying to explain it to some of these Browns fans. No, I'm right there with you. I mean, I didn't tweet a lot in the last game just because I was I was kind of frustrated with the discourse on Twitter. But I, yeah, I think a lot of Browns fans, and I get it, right? Like you watch 20 years of just god awful quarterbacks, and so this guy takes you to the playoffs, and you want to believe. You know, I was just trying to talk myself into it right there. So you know, I I sympathize with them, but at the same time, like as you said, like our eyes don't lie. Like you know, I know you and I watch the game intelligently, but I know Browns fans out there, you know, watch the game really intelligently too. That's why I like interacting with them, uh, you know, so much on, on social media and why I bring it up all the time, their opinions, because Browns fans are smart fans. There are just a lot of them deluding themselves right now. Like Baker Mayfield has poor mechanics. A lot of people, and I referenced a few last week, say he has the worst mechanics of any quarterback in the league. He has poor decision-making. He has right, you know, uh, below average physical traits. Like all of those things are are true. Now, there have been quarterbacks to succeed despite some of those things in in the past. There are quarterbacks that have improved on those things. Sure. But right now, it's really bad. He has been really bad this season. He has been inconsistent throughout his career. Some of this stuff tracks back beyond this season. So, yeah, that's why I know, you know, you see it and I see it in – you know, everybody watching that game realistically, you know, uh, yeah, against like the Packers, for example, against the Steelers, you're just like, we, you know, we've seen this. This is Daniel Jones level of quarterback play. It's not it. Yeah, it's just uh, there's so many games that you, you just go back to this year, Rick, man, if you just scored a drive there, that interception didn't happen. If this didn't happen, like it's this all goes back to just how frustrating this year has been like a. I, 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 it's it's almost unbelievable. Like, you know, doing shows this year, you know, at ESPN in Cleveland, where we basically were, you know, it was funerals for the Browns. We were doing end of the year, New Year's resolutions for the Browns. What, what do the Browns need to do next year? Do they move on for Like we were doing that crap and the season isn't even technically over. I had no idea we were in store for this. <laughs> I, 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 like, it, like I said, it's hard to explain. It's hard to express the feeling. It's a, to me, it's almost gotten to the point, Henry, where it's just like, if you don't laugh, you're going to cry. And it, for, like, to me, like, I, I, I gotta be honest, like at times during that Steelers game, I, I just, I couldn't help but just like sit there and like laugh. Like this is really happening. Like this is really came new this year. Like got to a point for me where it was just almost funny because it was so depressing that it was like, I don't want to sit here and, and, and piss and moan about it. 
Like I, yeah. I'm just going to get pissed off. And so I guess I'm just going to laugh at this point. It's just sad reality, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I will say the, the, the part two that it, for me, what's different from when like the Browns were really bad. And I know you brought this up earlier is there are so many good players on this roster. Like even in that Steelers game, like Greg Newsom just balling out, like Grant Delpit looking really good, like JOK, like this defense has been phenomenal the last six weeks or so. There are so many bright spots across the board. You know, Nick Chubb is you know, maybe my favorite Brown to root for ever. And this season was a waste. Like it, it ultimately was a waste of that talent. And that's tough to swallow because that's not something we've really said a whole lot in the past where it's like, Okay, like clearly, you know, there were seasons where we went into the Browns where it's like, okay, they're going to be bad. Like six, seven wins would be a solid season here. Like that was not the case with this team. This team had expectations. And not only did they have expectations, but a lot of the pieces like actually did play well. Like Grant Delpit came back from his Achilles and played well. Greg Newsom and JOK were impactful rookies. Like a lot of the stuff that was questionable in the offseason added up it was stuff that we had kind of penciled in like Baker Mayfield, at least being a good quarterback that just fell off the wagon. Yeah. I want to say this too, before we signed off of just like, sometimes we do this to ourselves as fans, right? Like we just kind of make assumptions and as Browns fans and, you know, I was amongst them of kind of just making the assumption, like if things were so good last year, I try and preach of just like appreciate the year, appreciate the moment, because I don't know if we did that enough last year because it was so unexpected, right? Like you came Mm -hmm. off that terrible year. You're like, all right, whatever. I kind of just, maybe we'll go 500 this year. Maybe it's just a year to build first year, you know, Stefanski first year of this system. And then you go 11 and five, you you win a playoff game. you, You have a chance to beat the chiefs. So what do we do as fans after that? We assume everything's going to get better, right? Like you're going to get better. The team's going to get better. The team did get better. You know, the defense got better. But we make assumptions that, hey, you know, going into year two of this offense, everything's going to get better. Like everything can only get better from here on out. Stefanski's going to get more comfortable calling plays. Baker's going to take another step in his offense, right? Like we make the assumptions that those things are going to happen. And then when the result is like this, it makes everything that more crushing, right? So like we kind of do this to ourselves as fans, but I do it too. But it was, it was hard not to think otherwise and make those assumptions that everything was going to get better and build off last year. But I just want to preach to people like live in the moment sometimes because I was having that thought this, this past week, Henry, of like, man, I don't, I don't know if I appreciated last year enough because I thought it was a, you know, year one of like four straight runs and that was only the beginning and, and, you know, Maybe that was a one-off at this point. You know, I don't know. But I'm kind of disappointed in myself for not appreciating it last year as much as I should have. It, it's one of the toughest things about the NFL and what distinguishes it so much from other sports. Like we were talking about the Cavs, you know, obviously half-heartedly at the top of the show. But, you know, progress in the NBA is typically linear, right? Like your team, you know, typically you get into the play on, you know, the playing game or like the back end of the first round, you know, maybe you lose a year or two there. Then you kind of, you know, try to get a home court advantage series and, you know, the best teams that win a championship, they, you know, usually struggle for a year or two first and then ascent, right? Like the progression, you know, makes sense. It it happens very often. The NFL just doesn't work like that. It is just not linear progression. I mean, look at all, you know, so many teams across the league, the Patriots took a step back last year. Now they're back in things this year. You know, you look at, you know, the Colts taking a step back and then a step forward. I mean, you look at the Cowboys, it just, it, it, it always happens that way. And it's hard to remind yourself of that in the off season. Like, Hey, Rosters turnover, but also the NFL is a fickle game. I mean, the Browns were great in one score games last year. They weren't so good this year. Like, 
some of that stuff, you know, the injuries, the Browns were pretty healthy last year, you know, obviously not only injuries, COVID, you know, I mean, that's the thing is like, you know, as bad as this Brown season was, you know, or as disappointing, I should say, as it was like, you know, if the Browns don't all come down with COVID before the Raiders game, like, you know, that, that Monday night game may have had a totally different feel. It still may have meant something. Maybe the Browns, you know, mentality is different because they're still in the playoff hunt. Like, it wasn't that far away from being a successful season either. It just, it's a tough pill to swallow when it feels like things, you know, again, were wasted. Yeah. And one of the last things I want to say is, uh, can you imagine that? You know, this seems like a funeral podcast. So I guess might as well end it with that. You know, um, but you know, the Browns are, there's a good chance at this point, Henry, that they're drafting in the top 10 now, you know, I mean, yeah. A couple weeks ago, it was a, it was either your, you might win the AFC North, you might be the fourth seed in the AFC, you might host a playoff game for the first time in years. Flip it over two weeks, and it's, you might be drafting eighth overall in the, in the 2022 NFL draft. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, there's some good-looking receivers, some of which were in <laughs> yeah, scarlet right. and gray this last year, and some of which weren't. Uh, some of which, you know, were out there in, in California and LA and, and some others. So, you know, as, as depressed as I am right now, Jordan, yeah, there, there's still, you know, I'm looking forward to this offseason, getting into the draft, getting into free agency, getting into, you know, looking, as I said, at, at Baker Mayfield 2020 tape and trying to convince myself that he's going to be the answer for this team next season. So, yeah, I mean, I look forward to all that. I, you know, I love the game uh, and I do think there are, you know, plenty of bright spots here. But, yeah, I mean, this, you know, uh, there's nothing really to say, you know, other than this, other than, yeah, it's a disappointment. And, you know, I. I don't even really want to preview the Bengals game because like, who cares? Uh, and, you know, we'll just roll it into next year. And, you know, if Jimmy Garoppolo all of a sudden is cut from the 49ers, you know, we'll, we'll have an interesting podcast to talk about. Yeah. And I'm not there yet. Right. Like it's going to take me a couple months. When we get closer to the draft, man, that's when I'll kind of like re-dive into the Browns. But like, I need a break right now. It was yeah, a really stressful year. You know, it was basically 17 weeks of like, man, we, you know, even the games we won, it seemed like, man, we won in spite of like how bad we played, you know, and other than the Bengals game this year, really, it was kind of just like, man, you know, offense didn't play good enough here. Or defense didn't play good enough there. Like it was just a lot. It was a very frustrating year. And I just need to decompress for a little bit, but I know, you know, once the draft rolls around, once the summer rolls around, OTAs and training camp, I'm going to start getting excited for the Browns again and everything next year and what they can build on and all that. But I just, I just need some time. I, I'll get there. But just just give me a month or two, okay? Yeah, I, I will. I will. Before we sign off, though, I have one question for you. I, you know, I mentioned right. earlier in the podcast, I think Baker Mayfield will be the starting quarterback for week one of the Browns NFL season. Do you, if you had to say just right now, off the cuff? I do not. Interesting. Interesting. I, as, as I said, I think there's a, I, I, I don't think that's unfounded based on uh, some of, some of the stuff we're seeing out there. So we'll, we'll, we'll have to wait and see on that sour note. Uh, you know, I think as you said, this is, <laughs> yeah, right. this is a funeral podcast. I think that's going to be the title of this episode is, uh, is, you know, the 21, 22 season funeral. Uh, yeah. Cause that's, it did feel like that's kind of what it was after, uh, after Monday night. So, you know, we've got our calves, they're super exciting. I'm going to be watching a yes. ton of basketball in, in the spring. You know, we got college basketball and stuff too. And then, you know, we'll, we'll have plenty of Browns talk here too for all the fans out there. I, as I said, I'm already, you know, my, my draft, you know, itch is already starting to come out and, you know, there's playoff football and stuff to watch too. So 
plenty more to come Browns fans, but I think Jordan, you said it best. I think we, we could all use a break this, this week, 18 games, not going to be so serious. And then we can, uh, we can reset after that. All right, Browns fans, that's, that'll do it for this episode of the rebuild. Jordan, it was nice to have you back on fans. If you want to interact good to be back with, on, man. Yeah, man. It was, it was good to have you. It was good to have you. And, and of course we'll be, we'll be doing it uh, more this off season, but uh, yeah. J underscore climax 20. Is that right? To interact with you on Twitter? Yes, sir. You got um, it. I'm finally getting it right after like four failed attempts. <laughs> and, the last at, game of the year. <laughs> yeah. I'm at Henry underscore Edinger. Yeah. Maybe, maybe it's time to, to form like a discord or something for the, for the podcast too, with our listeners. So we can commiserate together. Cause I, I do yeah. love all of the guys that, have, that, you know, gals that have hit me up on Twitter. I do love the Browns uh, Twitter community and Reddit and all that stuff, even though I had to take a little bit of a break from that this weekend. So anyway, I've gone on long enough here, Browns fans. That'll do it for this episode of the rebuild. No preview of the Bengals game. Nobody cares uh, with Case Keenum <laughs> in there. Uh, we'll talk to you guys next week.